Good evening, Music 185 listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Mecca Podcast. I'm your host, Sophia Demos, and today we will be taking a deep dive into the unique culture and practices of Japan. Unlike other areas of the world that we have covered, Japan not only utilizes music for its sound, but also as a tool to provide drama to their traditional theatrical performances. So get comfortable and get ready to experience a night at the Japanese theater. To start us off today, we will be going directly into the field. Soon to be with us is Aiden, our field reporter who has a PhD in economic studies. Take it away, Aiden. Thanks for that introduction, Sophia. I'm Aiden, and as The Economist, I've pulled a few fascinating statistics and valuable information worth presenting. One of the most critical pieces to every nation's economy is the energy industry, both the quantities produced and those that must be imported. As the population and technological usage worldwide has increased, so has the energy usage and the industry surrounding it. In fact, globally, oil demands have climbed from 2.2 billion metric tons in 1970 to over 4 billion tons in 2020. Remarkably, that oil represents less than half of the global energy consumption. Japan's energy, energy industry is also fascinating. Because of the nation's limited size and available natural resources, particularly the non-renewable sources of coal and oil. In order to fill its energy needs, coal is about 32.7% of the energy and oil about 8.7%. The nation's energy supply in Japan has become the world's third largest fossil fuel importer at over 200 million short tons in 2016. Even so, the nation expects many of these numbers to change, in particular thanks to their approach to the climate crisis. While Japan mirrors renewable energy rates of many other highly developed nations like the U.S., about 87% non-renewable and 13% renewable energy distributed between methods like solar, hydroelectric, and wind, it is one of the most aggressive countries at combating climate change, hoping to increase to nearly 40% renewable energy by 2030. Japan's population represents only 1.62% of the world's population yet their economy represents nearly 4.5% of the global GDP. This makes them incredibly important in the world economy and enables the nation to take strong positions on global issues, including climate change, international relations, and world health. Thank you very much, Aiden. It's always a pleasure to hear and learn more from you. Whoa, looks like we have the first caller of the day. Hello, you're live on the Mecca podcast. How can we help you? Hello, my name is Alex. I graduated from Cornell and majored in politics. In addition to Aiden's fascinating information, I wanted to give some insight on the Muromachi period. During this time, people of imperial power isolated the samurai class. The term samurai was originally used to describe aristocratic warriors, but then came to apply to all members of the warrior class that rose to power in the 12th century. They were also known as being prestigious and privileged military officers. They were influenced by Zen Buddhism and Confucian nature. During this time of samurai class reign, Kyoto became the capital. This was Kyoto's second time becoming capital as they were in 794 BC. During this time with Kyoto being the capital, Japan was sent into anarchy and Kyoto was split into two groups. This split did not end well. By 1500, multiple civil wars took place, and Shintoism even had a revival in this period. 
It's always great to hear from our listeners. And if you ever have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to call our hotline 1-800-MECCA. Now it's time to dive even deeper into our creative world of Japan with our ambassador, Evan. Take it away. Wow, what an introduction. As Sophia said, I am the ambassador for the group, and I am here with... Sarah, and I'm the ethnomusicologist. And today we're going to take a musical dive into Japan's popular theater and listen to a few examples of music that accompanies these spectacles. And of course, talk about it and give you a breakdown. Now first, I'd like to start us off with Japan's most popular traditional theater, Kabuki. For a little history, Kabuki was first performed by women, but that was eventually banned by the government for being a little too suggestive, and so boys took over the dance, but that was also banned. So men are now the performers and even cover the female roles. Crazy set designs assist the performers like revolving stages, trap doors, and a long runway that cuts through the audience called Hanamachi. And of course, the music plays just an important role as these complex sets. Now, instead of a stage director helping the flow with the scene changes and curtain rises, performers listen to the music to indicate these changes. One player sits on the side of the stage and hits two wood blocks on the ground. Let's give that a listen. As you heard, he plays a beat that accelerates or gets faster, which indicates a curtain rise. This responsibility sometimes goes to an offstage group of musicians called geza. The music here accompanies the action on stage with instruments like the shamisen, gong, bells, and a large drum called odaiko. Let's listen to the geza. We again hear a beat that signals a curtain call, and as you can hear, the audience applauds as the play begins. The final group of musicians I'll talk about today are the Debayashi, which are special in that they are on the stage along with the performers. There are drums, wooden flutes, shamisen, and singers on stage. Let's give them a listen. stuff. At the end of the day, the music in Kabuki plays a huge role along with the dancing of the performers. This awesome combination of dance and music is what makes Kabuki such a spectacle to watch. Now, Sarah would like to talk about another one of Japan's popular theaters. Thanks, Evan. Today I get the wonderful opportunity to share the Japanese art of bunraku with our listeners. Bunraku is a traditional form of Japanese theater performed through puppets. These puppets are typically half life-size, ranging from about 1 to 4 feet tall. They're crafted out of wood, and interestingly enough, usually only the head, hands, and feet are actually made. Their hands and feet are controlled with string, creating the illusion of full limbs, while a torso is imitated by strategic wrapping and placement of the puppet's kimono. Much like kabuki, bunraku depicts dramatic plots in each performance, including action-packed heroic stories and epic tragedies filled to the brim with romance. These stories are impressively all narrated by one person who voices all of the puppets. 
This, of course, requires extensive training and a massive range of voices and expressions to represent all of the characters in a story, male, female, young, and old. Here's a short example of what that sounds like. What an amazing form of theater. As you can hear in this clip, the style of music is very similar to Kabuki, the Japanese theater that Evan described earlier. There is an instrumental ensemble as well as a vocal ensemble accompanying the visual performance of the puppets. The majority of this clip features all voices and instruments, but at times there is a vocal soloist. You can hear it in this recording right after the audience claps. That is the voice of the man in this story. He has a few solos in this excerpt, and when he's singing, his puppet is the center of the show so that the audience knows to listen to what he has to say. This really is such an interesting form of theater, and I'm so glad we got to provide a peek into the wonders of Bunraku today. Back to you, Sophia. And now, welcome back to our trivia segment. In the right corner, we again have Madison, our shaman, an expert in all things religion and spirituality. And in the left corner, we have Zach, the pro in all things past, our historian. If you hear this buzzer, Madison has run in. And if you hear this buzzer, that means Zach has run in. I will be asking them a few questions, and the first one to ring in and get the answer correct wins a point. Most points by the end wins. Now, our first question. Madison, Zach, are you ready? Question one. Why does the master puppeteer in Boon Raku remain unmasked while the other two puppeteers are covered head to toe in black? Madison. The master puppeteer must remain unmasked to be able to show the audience that the puppet is not moving on its own. In Japanese culture, the possibility of spiritual possession is a very common belief. So in order to demonstrate that the puppet has not been possessed by a spirit, the puppet master lets the audience see his face to show that the puppet is controlled by human beings. Awesome answer, Madison. One point for you. Question two. What are the names of the different ensembles in Kabuki Theater? Zach, your answer? Kabuki ensembles are separated into two main groups, the onstage group and the offstage group. The onstage group is referred to as the Degatari group and is divided into two subgroups. These subgroups are Chobo, which is the narration of the story, and Debayashi, which is the accompaniment to the narration. The offstage group is referred to as the Jesa group, uh, and that's responsible for setting the mood and atmosphere for the performance, and it's played in a room off to the side of the stage. Great answer, Zach. That'll tie us up one point for each of you. Our third question comes from a Twitter user, MusicLover185. Why did Buddhism have such a profound effect on Japan and their culture? Madison? 
Buddhism had such a long-lasting effect on Japanese people because it had what Shintoism was lacking. Shintoism was the main religion in Japan until the Nara period that began in 710 AD. The Nara period was a very dark time in Japanese history full of disease, famine, and natural disasters. Buddhism took a strong hold over Japan during this time because, as stated before, Shintoism was their main religion, but it had no ways to handle mourning and didn't describe how to cope with death or loss. Buddhism was able to give people the space they needed to comfortably grieve, and it gave them hope during such terrible, unprecedented times. Very good, Madison. That'll give you another point. Zach, you must get this right in order to tie, and Madison, you must get this right in order to win. Let's move on to the last question. Question four. Why are there no female performers in Kabuki theater? Zach, your answer? In 1596, there was a performance that was entirely composed of women. Although it was well received with the audience, it upset the government enough that they banned women altogether from performing kabuki theater. Since 1652, the only performers have been adult men, with female roles played by male actors impersonating women. Even the 1596 performance of all women was altered and recreated with an all-male cast. Amazing answer, Zach. You've tied the game. Congratulations to our two contestants, and thank you to our viewers for submitting your questions and tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Mecca Trivia Show. Okay, it's that time again. What a fun and information-packed episode. Today, we took a dive into the diversity of Japanese theater and music by focusing on the two main genres and breaking down the similarities and differences regarding the music itself and its history. It was so interesting and cool to hear and learn how music is used differently in all parts of the world. In this case, music is used to direct the production while also adding drama and a storyline to the play. We hope you enjoyed A Night at the Japanese Theater, and be sure to tune in next time on the Mecca of Podcast. Thanks for listening.